Hi, I'm Fred Schonenberg, and thank you for joining me on the Venture Fuel podcast. At Venture Fuel, we help companies find new solutions by partnering with the best startups from around the world. On the show, you'll learn the secrets of business leaders who tap into startups and the founders driving extraordinary results. We'll consider new ideas, stretch our mindsets beyond the status quo, and in the process, discover how to leap the competition and fuel personal growth. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for joining the Venture Fuel Visionaries podcast. I'm your host, Fred Schonenberg. This is a uh, unique episode in that last week I was reading about uh, Blooming Health, which is a New York-based startup, uh, and they just raised $4.2 million in a seed fund, uh, actually on September 6, 2023. Uh, the funding was led by a four-capital crossbeam venture partners. It also included Chelsea Clinton's investment firm, uh, Metrodora, as well as uh, angel investor and DoorDash co-founder Evan Moore. The reason I got excited about this is Blooming Health uh, went through one of the venture fuel programs and worked with our client AARP Foundation. They've built a digital platform that essentially helps people connect with older adults. Uh, I saw firsthand how impactful it could be uh, with the results of the uh, the pilot they did with AARP Foundation. Uh, and we actually had them on the podcast with AARP to discuss uh, the value add, how large organizations can work with startups, why that matters, how you can solve build big problems through innovation. Uh, and I just thought it was a, a nice opportunity to, to replay that episode uh, and also shine a little bit of light on Blooming Health uh, and what they're doing to drive change in the world. So hope you enjoy this very special episode. Paolo, Nima, it's so nice to have you both. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks. So, Paolo, can you introduce the audience uh, for anyone that might not know what AARP Foundation is and, and maybe what your role is there? Sure. AARP Foundation is the charitable affiliate of AARP. And our focus at the foundation um, is to be able to help vulnerable people over 50 build economic opportunity. Um, you know, as you know, there's more than 37 um, million people who are over 50. It's about one in three that live in or at risk of falling into poverty. And so that's why every single year, ARP Foundation helps millions of older adults, security essentials, things like good jobs, getting being eligible for benefits and, and being able to access those benefits, allowing them to be able to help them um, complete their tax returns and both for property taxes as well as federal and, and state uh, taxes. And then obviously helping older adults continue to connect with each other and to be able to grow their, their social connections um, as they age. My role at, at the foundation is, is simply to be developing new programs, developing new, new products. And I also um, have a uh, another role of optimizing our business um, and looking for ways to be able to deliver more impact. Very cool. Can you tell us a bit about the innovation program? I think most people, when they think of nonprofits, emerging startups isn't the first thing that comes to mind. And maybe it comes to the optimization piece uh, that you're speaking about. But why is, is looking to these sort of emerging companies and new technologies important uh, to AARPF? Yeah, Fred. So, um, you know, we have an internal innovation team at AARP Foundation, and even at AARP, innovation is one of our 
our core principles. Our founder, Dr. Andrus, um, UNS67 innovated and created ARP, found ARP and then in the foundation shortly afterwards based on the fact that she saw a need. Dr. Andrus was a school principal um, in, in, in California and learned that one of her teachers was actually living in the back of a home in a chicken coop. And so she went to visit that teacher and, and realized that um, we need to innovate. We need to figure out a way to be able to help retired folks be able to have purpose and to be able to live a rich life and not necessarily financially a rich life you know, when, when they're retired, which is how ARP um, was formed. And over the years, the, the, the 65 years that we've um, been in business, uh, it's always been about innovation, creating programs like tax aid, which is the largest free tax aid, free tax preparation program in the United States. We serve roughly around 2.7 million tax preparers on a yearly basis and, and doing their taxes for free all around uh, the United States. It's the work that we did with prescription drugs, for instance, is all of the things that are kind of really part of our DNA from an innovation standpoint. And the foundation simply continues that and looking for ways to be able to put more money at the end of the day in the pockets of the older adults that we serve. And we really focus on what we call the vulnerable older adults, folks who are at risk of poverty or, or on that line and, and, and struggling with being able to meet the essentials on a day-to-day basis. Um, to do that ourselves would be very, very difficult to do it at scale. And so one of our approaches is to be able to uh, work with organizations that are already being able to have solutions that work in the community and then to see how can we kind of put our muscle together behind those organizations to be able to reach that scale and impact more people. It's a beautiful combination. You have your internal innovation group. This is uh, more of an external function. And the, the beauty is, you know, taking a large organization like yours and the resources and the, the access to people and, and, and real problems to solve and combining it with an early stage, we call them enterprise ready startup that is, is starting to get traction, is proving they have a, a valid solution, but maybe doesn't have access to that same, those same resources or individuals or problems. And so it's, it's one of those you know, beautiful collaborations or combos where there's a problem to be solved and, and together you can grow your missions, which leads us directly to you, Nima. Uh, you were awarded the pilot opportunity out of uh, this external innovation process. Can you introduce us to Blooming Health and uh, maybe give us our, your, your founder story to start, like how, how you came up with the idea and, and what the business does. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Fred. So um, naturally, to tell the story of uh, Blooming Health, we need to start with the three co-founders that together we started uh, uh, the company. So all three of us are uh, first-generation immigrants coming from diverse and different career and family backgrounds, which kind of brought us to the point to start Blooming Health. A little bit of context about the founding team. Uh, one of my co-founders, Kavitha, comes from cancer research background. She has worked in the healthcare space for, for many years, commercializing healthcare technology. Another co-founder of mine, Naman, comes from digital product background, working in the engineering and product space for a few years. And I come from AI data science and business execution background. So we, we come from these different angles into the social and healthcare space. And for me personally, kind of the key drivers to start Blooming Health were like two 
key personal and professional experiences. In my previous job, I was working with millions of Americans, electronic health record data, training algorithms, building uh, digital health products on the top of it. And one of the things I learned throughout that experience was that we're extremely downplaying the effect of social care in our healthcare system. And I believe a huge part of the expensive per capita healthcare costs in this country is a result of that, the disconnection between social and healthcare. Additionally, I'm a, a primary family caregiver for a few family members. I had to go through this whole fragmented space of social and healthcare to enable aging in place, to, to help people with chronic conditions. And I have learned through this process how painful it is to actually go through this and, and tap into different resources for my own family members. Uh, as, kind of, as, a, as I was experiencing these, I met my co-founders, Naman and Kavita, at a healthcare hackathon in uh, Brooklyn, New York. And we actually start talking about areas within, within social and healthcare that we're really passionate and, and interested in. And that kind of was the initiation of the journey. This is in 2019, approximately. And we started doing a lot of kind of focus groups and field research with older adults, with community-based organizations that serve older adults, and trying to understand the problems that exist in that space. And through that process, we learned a lot about technology gap, how poverty or in general technology acts on literacy and influencing and impacting older adults to be able to get the care they need, or how language barriers, social isolation and loneliness is separating older adults from the resources in their community to be able to independently age in their homes. And this, this was like a when pandemic hit New York, forcing a lot of older adults to be homebound and be disconnected from the world around them, that's when we actually got started and launched our, our first version of the product. And our main goal was then to connect these older adults to community-based organizations and make sure they're getting the basic support they need from meals that would be delivered to them where they could go and pick up to prescription refills that they could kind of get somehow delivered to them because they were too feared to go into pharmacies at the, at the early stages of the pandemic. Fast forward to today, Blooming Health today is solving the engagement and referral problem in the social and healthcare aging services space. So basically, there's a lot of different types of organizations serving older adults with their day-to-day -day needs like meals, transportation, housing, and also primary care and healthcare services in general. And we're trying to basically build this infrastructure in between these organizations and older adults, especially overlooked older adults. We're trying to help these organizations to reach older adults across different channels, different languages, to make sure technology doesn't really influence uh, as a barrier for those older adults to get the care they need. And through this process, what we have learned is that if we can reach older adults where they, older adults where they are in terms of technology capacity and capability, in terms of uh, language preferences, in terms of their aging journey at a stage of life, we can actually help them speak of their needs and get those needs met. And as a result, a lot of them be able to live in the comfort of their home instead of moving into nursing homes. Our data over the course of past two years shows that we've been able to increase the service utilization for organizations we're working with by three times. That means by removing the friction points for older adults to actually tap into the resources in their community, they are interested and willing to get the support they need, reduce the burden on their family caregivers, if there is any, and improve their independence in a dignified way. 
Our core mission is to empower healthy aging in place, and we intend to reach there by building the single touch point for all aging in place needs. Today, more than like tens of thousands of older adults on a weekly basis are connected to community, social, and healthcare services through our platform. And they're getting the, their kind of the services they need, the, the support they need on a daily basis uh, through our platform. And we're proud of where, where we are today, but we have a lot of ambitious goals coming up in the next uh, few years that, uh, that we're building towards. It's such a beautiful problem to solve, necessary. And I think one of the things that's interesting when people hear about startups or technology, they immediately think complicated, right? Like, oh, this is something new I have to learn. In your case and in many cases, it's actually about removing the friction, right? Like it's a new idea to make things simpler uh, and help people get the, the care they need. So, so let, me, let me ask you about the particular opportunity with AARPF. So you win the program. Take us through the pilot uh, and what you were hoping to accomplish. Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, we're very fortunate to have this opportunity. So we're really excited to make this a success and, and make it kind of a launch pad for our efforts, especially in the low-income older adult community. So to set this partnership for success, we took a very explorative and iterative approach even before we submitted our final pilot plan to the AR Foundation team. Throughout that iterative process where we actually had a lot of uh, also uh, conversations with the ARP Foundation teams on specifically benefit space, that was the focus we wanted to uh, work in, especially in the food security space, SNAP food stamps. So through that process, we talked to a lot of community-based organizations that serve older adults to enroll in SNAP. We tried to understand, first of all, the process through which an older adult is informed about resources available to them through different stages of the life in their community. And then we try to also understand the other side of this, which is the mechanics of working with the community-based organizations, as well as city and state agencies throughout uh, the application process to enroll in these types of benefits. For context, older adults have a much lower participation rate in various benefits space that they're eligible for today. Like for instance, in food stamps, SNAP, that was the focus of this pilot, less than 50% of eligible older adults are enrolled in SNAP. That means there's a huge segment of population out there that could get support in having access to healthy food and reduce their cost of living. And that was really the core kind of mission around around this, this pilot. We learned that the key barriers for people to enroll that older adults face are basically the stigma around utilizing benefits in general, misperception of eligibility and benefits amount. Most older adults feel like it's going to be a very small amount of dollars, while it's a very significant amount to cover for the cost of food. And the complex application processes, the complexity that you just touched upon, we wanted to understand where the basically pain points are and how Basically, we could help to remove some of those pain points. So the initial purpose of this pilot was to use Blooming Health as platform in providing better access to older adults that are eligible for benefits to these benefits through community-based organizations, especially older adults that are in multiracial, non-English speaking, 
low socioeconomic status communities, which is very usually very hard to reach to through typical channels of uh, communication engagement to make them aware about these benefits and help them along the benefits application process. We, just to give you a context around the geographical focus, we focused on New York City. Uh, we focused on um, basically some neighborhoods in Bronx, New York, in Queens, New York, Brooklyn, and Manhattan. And we tried to kind of have a quarter population from very diverse segments of population. There are older adults from Asian American communities, older adults from Hispanic uh, communities, with older adults from LGBTQ communities of, of different socioeconomic status. This was, keep in mind, not only a pilot, but also an experiment to understand where the pain points are, how these pain points are relevant to different segments of population, and how technology potentially could play a role in removing an, uh, some of those pain points. We launched a pilot in February of 2022, and throughout this pilot phase, which is a six-month period, uh, using Blooming Health as platform, these community-based organizations engaged with the older adults in their neighborhoods, in their communities, 82,000 times. That's orders of magnitude more what they were doing before through print newsletters, through town halls, and, and so on and so forth. And they could basically, through these engagements, phone calls, text messages, emails, in the older adults' language of choice, in the older adults' basically uh, time of choice, and so on and so forth, they could basically connect with older adults, inform them and educate them about uh, benefits. We are relevant and engaging content, but also do check-ins with them and, and, and find out the high-need individuals in the population, pre-screen them, and then basically refer them to the benefits team that can help them navigate through the benefits application process. For context, the benefits application process in the SNAP space is a pretty lengthy process. I mean, it's, it's getting better, but it's still very complex. There's a lot of churn in that process. There's a lot of manual effort by the staff at these community-based organizations needed to keep older adults submitting the documents needed, submitting the information needed. We figured that technology could play a role there and kind of remove a lot of those mundane tasks from the staff so they can focus on more complex stuff and get these enrollments across the finish line and get benefits to more older adults. That was kind of where general space of the work during this pilot was. Um, I'll share more of the results in uh, in, a, in a second, but like that's where where we stood. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's so, Paolo. What what surprised you about the results? And then, and maybe uh, either of you can share anything that kind of jumped out in terms of uh, outcomes that that made you excited. But Paolo, let's start with you. Yeah, so I, I, I mean, um, lots of things um, surprised me, and particularly the the ability to be able to. Use, there's always this perception that older adults don't use technology, right? And particularly low income older adults, and 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 they do. We we know that. But what Nima and team were able to do was kind of really triangulate as to what technology is most effective to actually reach these people, and. You know, that has been um, eye-opening for us in terms of efficiency. The other part that is again, not a surprise, but it, it was just awesome to be able to, to see the data and to see it work is there isn't one organization that solves these problems. There, there, this is a, a network of organizations, CBOs, state agencies, federal agencies, for-profit, non-profit, and 
the importance of being able to connect these organizations together because from a perspective of an older adult, they don't want to have to navigate all that. That It's so yeah. difficult. Actually, no one wants to navigate any of that at all. And, and it, it was very eye-opening to see how Booming Health, NEMA and team were able to really look at how to improve those efficiencies. What are the roadblocks? You know, what are the perceptions around benefits specifically and, and, and so forth? So, and the reach, the reach is, is, you know, what we're always looking for is scale, right? We're a national organization. It's great to serve, you know, a small population, but um, all our programs at the foundation are meant to serve older adults nationally, to be able to, to see, do we have the potential to scale this? And, and that's been a, a a resounding yes, but but also nice to know that we've got technology and a platform that help us that can help us do that. That's great. So Nima, what uh, what stood out from you from a result standpoint? Was there anything that you would kind of, if you had a case study uh, that you needed to put a, a giant bullet point up on a billboard of of what happened? What what would you share with everyone? Yeah. So uh, I mean, it's it's uh, as as Paula said, it's it's a uh, it was a really interesting experience to to. To, to kind of learn about different aspects of the play and, and, and the dynamic between community-based organizations and, and state and city agencies and the older adults and how the benefits process works. In general, how social services, for that sense, works there. First of all, just to give you some numbers, what we saw in the six-month period was that in 2022, throughout this pilot, there is 500% increase an estimated SNAP enrollment compared to the same time period in 2021 for the older adult population that were a part of this pilot, basically. Five times more SNAP enrollment. That's significant. That happened even though the time for the, or the effort spent on SNAP applications was reduced. So what we observed through this pilot was the staff spent from the first touch point with an individual older adult to the last touch point, the time spent there was reduced from 57 days on average in 2021 to 30 days in 2022. So there's a clear signal, at least at the, at the population level we, we work with, that we can not only increase the, the, the enrollment for the older adults, but we can do that even with some operational efficiency for the agencies and organizations that are providing the services. This is super important. A lot of your audience might know that in the healthcare space, in the social care space, there is a huge shortage of staff. That shortage of staff is significantly putting constraints on how many people and how much services and caregiving services in general we can provide to, to the individuals in the communities. What this tells us that actually technology can augment some of the effort the staff are, are doing, the social workers, nurses, program managers are doing, and make the work they're doing more effective and efficient, and as a result, reach a lot more people. So for every dollar spent in the, in the social services, healthcare services, and community level for older adults, we can increase the outcome, the ROI for that dollar spent significantly via the right technology solutions. Yeah. One more thing I want to I wanted to add there is that older adults generally haven't had, as as Paolo said, like historically technology companies have overlooked older adults as a segment of the population, and as a result, there's not a lot of solutions out there that are tailored and, and designed for older adults in the communities, and uh, 
as a result, we have very little data about older adults, their needs and their evolving needs and preferences. This study and this pilot showed us that we could develop technology solutions that keep older adults engaged over time and then help us make more data-driven investments in their health and well-being. So those are some of the key, I would say, outcomes and findings that was really exciting for us to see. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's the magic, magic formula. You can reduce inputs and increase outputs, right? Like uh, less, less staff and, and more results uh, is magic to most people's ears. Paolo, where can people go to learn more about AARP Foundation? There are several places um, people can go to learn more about the foundation. Go to arpfoundation.org. That is our main foundation site. Talks about all of our programs. Um, but Dima also mentioned in terms of the challenges around social isolation and how many older adults, about one in five, are actually not socially connected, objectively measured, not to be socially connected. You can find more about that particular issue and ways to be able to solve that on uh, connecttoeffect.org. It's connect, C-O-N-N-E-C-T, the number two, and effect.org, which is also a foundation asset, a foundation uh, digital tool. And then certainly we're going to continue to run these innovations. And you know, not only with DEMA, because we're already working on ways to be able to scale this um, outside of New York to about 10 states and serve a lot more people. In a short time, we're, we're actually in the process of trying to figure out exactly how, quick, how quickly we can get there. But we're going to continue to run um, innovations. And you can go to, if you're interested in being part of kind of the next cohort, the website there is um, ARP Innovation. Oh, Fred, you can probably help me with this. <laughs> innovationprogram.com. Right, innovationprogram.com, which will take you to the application process to explain a little bit about our innovation process and, and uh, for the next cohort, which we, we should be launching here fairly shortly. Wonderful. Thank you, Paolo. And, and, and Nima, is there uh, is a place, and where would you guide people to go to learn more about Blooming Health? Yeah, absolutely. They can, they can go to our website, uh, gobloominghealth.com. We have a lot of uh, interesting information there, uh, including information about uh, the partnership with, with ARP Foundation. And I highly, highly recommend uh, startups that are active in the space to actually consider uh, being a part of this innovation program. This has been very fruitful for us because it, it gave us uh, also access to, to a lot of national experts around the problems that we're trying to solve with technology. And that has been very insightful as in startup to get access to those experts and be able to learn and then be able to kind of iterate on products based on those expertise and, and knowledge that's like historically developed over the course of last uh, decades in, in the aging space. Amazing. Well. Thank you both so sincerely for all you're doing to spark change. This is really uh, special. Thank you for sharing uh, the story and, and your time today. Thank you. Thanks a I lot. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. Please leave any comments on what you liked. Please share it with any friends. And of course, if you want to check out more from Venture Fuel, go to LinkedIn. Uh, just type in Venture Fuel. You'll find everything there. Or go, go to VentureFuel.net. Uh, and you can find out more on our homepage. Thanks so much for listening.